night and go blue. Stay tuned for Gray Matters coming up next on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening and welcome to Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jim Dwyer, and Gray Matters is your weekly news in review program, media, criticism, and commentary. Dick Whaley is, again, dealing with some family matters, and uh, we'll return soon to the program, but uh, I shall be carrying on regardless. And opening with a little bit of music from the early 80s there, uh, that's kind of where the program is going to end up. Um, We'll save all that early 80s stuff for later, but of course, I'm sure many listeners uh, were caught up in the high drama that unfolded on television and in the Senate Judiciary Committee rooms, broadcast throughout the nation and the world as the increasingly troubled Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court nominee struggled through a rather bizarre day. And uh, I certainly wish that uh, Dick was here to share his uh, insights and comments on what played out there with us. Uh, He'll no doubt have some comments uh, upon his return regarding what was... uh, a very credible uh, testimony from Dr. Blasey Ford um, and a shocking, bizarre performance uh, from 
Brett Kavanaugh in response. Um, I usually call him Brett Kavanaugh rather than Judge Kavanaugh because I think the judge thing is, yes, he's already a judge. He wants to be a Supreme Court judge. But it's weird to see in the papers talking about the accusations and the allegations of things that he did as a youth. And they still refer to him as Judge Kavanaugh was a blackout drunk. And we don't know whether or not Judge Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh, that is, was a blackout drunk. But it increasingly begins to appear that Brett Kavanaugh certainly was. Uh, more facts will, of course, emerge uh, probably almost bi hourly as we go through the week since the FBI's ongoing investigation, which has been expanded a little bit in its scope, at least, if not in the time frame within which it must deliver its uh, findings, which I think is still limited to a week. Uh, the potential is there for some interesting details to emerge. And because it is not a criminal probe, uh, they will be delivered sort of immediately to the White House, who have, of course, initiated the uh, follow-up investigation. And uh, many of these will make their way into the news media as they develop. So it's not like there'll be a report delivered at the end of the week. I think details will emerge throughout the week. In fact, uh, they are beginning to do so already. And again, I'll talk about that a little bit later. But <clears throat> uh, as exciting as that was, and let's face it, we haven't seen that kind of high drama in politics since probably going back to the Clinton era. Um, certainly, there have been some highlight uh, Senate committee hearings throughout my lifetime. Uh, the Watergate hearings when they first appeared on daytime TV. Of course, there was no cable TV back then. And there were no 24-hour news networks at that time. And so a lot of people were concerned that uh, daytime TV uh, viewers uh, specifically, I think, and was assumed women at that time. And, gee, that's an interesting thing because part of what we'll be talking about at the end of the program is how times are changing regarding attitudes and expectations of what women uh, are expected to endure um, that, uh, oh, the housewives will be all ticked off that their daily soap operas won't be on when the Watergate hearings take over the airwaves, but they proved to be just as entertaining and probably even more entertaining than most soap operas. Um, and of course, the 1980s uh, gave us the Iran-Contra hearings, which were uh, compelling and strange beyond belief. Uh, so there is, of course, uh, an intrinsic interest in dramatic hearings and testimony that makes for blockbuster ratings. And uh, that's a good thing because it means that people are interested and that uh, it's a, an attempt to articulate the point uh, and to see it dramatized that democracy requires input of citizens and civilians. Um, most great social uh, shifts and changes have not been led by those who hold and enjoy office or privileged position, but concerned people, angry people um, <clears throat> who have decided, uh, wait a minute, uh, something is wrong here uh, and who take to protest. And I think the, the protest surrounding the Kavanaugh hearings uh, nomination um, is, is definitely a part of the story, and 
the widespread nature of this hashtag me too hashtag year of the woman um i believe her all of this uh, stuff is is happening in a time period where people have had enough and uh women are saying enough already uh we need to hold people uh accountable for their behavior and that's what's playing out before us here. It uh, may be awkward and uncomfortable for Brett Kavanaugh, but of course he could have always spared himself the embarrassment by withdrawing his nomination. Yet ambition is also part of the picture. But that's, of course, not the only thing that's been going on today. Uh, one of the major stories uh, is the new uh, trade agreement with uh, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico, uh, which sort of was struck at the last moment with Canada joining. Uh, we'll talk about this later uh, in greater detail, uh, but by all accounts, uh, in the early developmental stages, it appears to be not that much different from NAFTA, and in fact may include some minor improvements. Um, maybe it's a cosmetic thing and just naming it a new thing, although it doesn't really change much of NAFTA, will allow Trump, uh, the ability to say, uh, promises made, promises kept, um, which, of course, he's going to do on this particular matter, uh, even though it's really not that different. And the name change is part of the biggest difference. Um, apparently, it is now called the USMCA, Canada being tucked in there at the end. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's not a village people catchy title, but uh, the USMCA almost sounds like the U.S. Marine Corps, I guess. So um, there are still some problems and issues uh, as far as Canada is concerned with regard to still lingering steel tariffs, which are bizarrely classified as a national security issue. Um, I would think that there are really very few national security concerns between the economies and really quite simpatico. Uh, economic uh, issues at play between the two countries that share the longest unguarded border in the world. I think we can safely trust the Canadians. Uh, the extent to which they uh, may or may not continue to trust us, of course, is uh, another matter. Um, in a uh, press conference outside the White House today, Trump uh, wanted to talk exclusively about the trade deal, but could not avoid uh Kavanaugh-related questions, and in that time period, he acknowledged, uh, yes, it's okay to talk to all these different accusers. It's fine. The, uh, it, it could be as expansive as it needs to be. It just happens to happen in a week. So uh, that is interesting news. Um, and I want to briefly talk about this story. I'm not going to go into great detail on it, but it was a major story back in June when it first broke about the family separation policy. And because of all the other crazy and chaotic things that have been going on, it's, again, these sort of things as uh, egregious and obnoxious as they are when they initially present themselves. Sadly, they do tend to sort of sift down into the muck of normal as new outrages emerge, but it uh, was revealed over the weekend that hundreds of migrant children were moved from shelters in various states into a tent city in West Texas. 
There are now well over a thousand children living in a tent city, and they've been moved in the middle of the night from private shelters or foster homes to this camp uh, outside Tornillo, Texas. And I don't know what this is meant to uh, achieve here. Uh, the legal deadline has long passed for these children to be reunited with their families. Uh, the fact that in, instead, uh, the numbers of children living in tent cities in the middle of deserts continues to grow suggests that Jeff Sessions is still cruising along uh, willy-nilly. Maybe that's the only way he can placate the wrath of the Donald. Um is to keep keep on keeping on with this uh, bizarre and highly unpopular policy. You know, when that story broke in June, uh, one of the uh, angles on the story was that it was a real issue for independent voters, uh, women independent voters, many of whom pulled the switch for Trump in 2016, uh, outraged and offended at this treatment of small children, the most vulnerable and weakest of any of the refugees. Um, so the fact that it's ongoing just compounds the problems that Republicans are likely to face with women voters uh, in, well, just over 30 days. As we, uh, today, of course, is the 1st of October. We are a month and a handful of days away from the midterm elections, although <laughs> Another comment from President Trump's Rose Garden appearance today uh, when asked about the prospects for the Re Republican Party in the midterms. He said, oh, I think we're, we're going to do great. Uh, of course, no one knows for sure. We'll all just have to wait and see. But uh, most experts do not agree with that assessment. Uh, another bizarre detail of last week involved and it's, you know, it happened on Tuesday, I think, but because of the high drama of Thursday and Friday, sort of was lost in the fog of, uh, again, additional crazy. <clears throat> uh, the president spoke uh, last week when we were on the, one of the big stories, the you know shoes waiting to drop was, is Rod Rosenstein going to get fired? Uh, he was summoned to the White House. Well, he met with John Kelly instead of the president. Uh, the president was in New York to speak at the United Nations, an organization that he holds in low esteem, as he does apparently many of our allies um, and uh, treaty commitments. Uh, so nothing has materialized on the Rod Rosenstein story, as I suspected. It was just a, a little noise jangler there uh, as a distraction from the Kavanaugh thing. But strange things did occur when Trump spoke at the United Nations. Uh, I'm sure it's a first for an American president to be openly laughed at on the international stage. Uh, now, I'm sure also, that having been said, that there have been plenty of moments where American presidents were privately laughed at or quietly laughed at or <laughs> quietly <laughs> chuckled over. Uh, when making various speeches and uh, uh, different engagements over the decades. Uh, but uh, Trump's apparent confusion 
uh, standing before the representatives of the nations of the world. Apparently, he, blinded by the lights, perhaps, thought that he was speaking at yet another uh, campaign rally in West Virginia, which he did another one over the weekend. He really loves the, the rallies in West Virginia. Um <clears throat> Uh, by talking about things that really an American president has no business talking about in front of an international body. Um, and his boast, his uh, preposterous claim that uh, his administration has accomplished more in two years than any other preceding American administration, uh, openly drew guffaws, laughs, and chuckles that continued to grow as the translation headphones began to register this absurd statement, absurd on its face, uh, in all the languages of the world. Taken aback, of course, uh, he looked up and said, oh, I wasn't expecting that sort of reaction, and then sort of plodded on through uh, his continuous remarks. Um, the next day, he gave that bizarre 81-minute press conference that was more of a plea for help in many ways, psychologically speaking, than an honest and open dispersal of information. Let's face it, we all know, most of us agree, let's put it that way, uh, that the man is pretty much incapable of uttering anything that's neither misleading at best nor outright false at worst. Uh, but he pled his case that, oh, they weren't laughing at me, they were laughing with me. We were having a good time. In other words, they're being entertained by me. That's that's I'm just an entertaining guy. And uh, it's not embarrassing at all for the president of the United States to be laughed at uh, by the world's leading international assembly. Uh, well, quite frankly, I personally have been waiting for quite some time now for the laughter at some of these statements. I'm surprised that at none of the press conferences, people have just thrown up their hands and said, you know what, we're done. There's no open and honest exchange of information here. Or to openly laugh at some of Sarah Huckabee's claims or uh, statements. Uh, I think the laughs are long overdue. And uh, it's just kind of sad to see happen. Um certainly something that uh, you never expected to see happen. Now, don't get me wrong. I, as I said, I laughed at a lot of the things Reagan said. <clears throat> but uh, this was quite something. Uh, one other interesting cultural note uh, to mention, and this is by way of segue also into the uh, Kavanaugh comments that I've got prepared. Um, on Wednesday, of course, uh, longtime entertainment icon, Bill Cosby was imprisoned, uh, and as an older fellow, he'll be basically spending the rest of his days in prison for his bizarre, and I think clearly demonstrative of some kind of mental illness, uh, crimes against women. Uh, just, you know, I don't want to comment on the Bill Cosby thing because we, we've all sort of like, ah, turn that page. It's like, oh, dear, how horrible. Uh, and how ironic. Uh, but in the wake of Bill Cosby's imprisonment, Lindsey Graham, who did not have a, a great week, in my opinion, um, in a bizarre comment, one of the strangest endorsements you would ever hear for a nominee to the Supreme Court, Lindsey Graham said of Brett Kavanaugh, he's no Bill Cosby. 
Well, that's a ringing endorsement. Uh, talking about damning with faint praise. Uh, no one said he was that kind of uh, offender. Uh, but the fact that he even made the comparison at all is pretty weird. Um, let's take a quick little break here, and I'll be right back for the uh, final portion of this week's Gray Matters. I said that we would end up in the early 80s on the program today, and uh, here's where we arrive there. The events of Thursday and Friday uh, in the chambers of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as it was fed through the broadcast networks to the televisions and computers of the nation, it was really one of those days, as I'm sure many listeners can agree and will attest to uh, amongst their own friends, that uh, if you weren't watching it or listening to it, you were at least monitoring it or people were telling you about it throughout the day. It was, you could tell something really big was happening. And so, you know, I opened the day watching part of Dr. Blasey Ford's testimony, went about my day, heard some stuff on the radio, uh, didn't see any of the Kavanaugh uh testimony until later in the evening. Um, but it was on everybody's lips all day. Uh, various comments that people had. I don't have uh, too much to say about Blasey Ford's a very credible testimony. I think she obviously speaks for herself uh, quite well. Uh, and there's a lot of weirdness, though, about how that all played out. Uh, but regarding the early 80s portion of the program, uh, my wife and I uh, both went to Catholic high school, and uh, she actually attended Georgetown University in the mid-80s. <clears throat> and so we uh, lived in D.C. for a time. Uh, but having had a, a Catholic private school background and, you know, known a wide range of kids in the school that we went to here in Michigan— uh, some of the claims that uh, Brett Kavanaugh has made about his calendar and his yearbook uh, are really, really problematic. Um, now, I don't want to cast uh, a paint with too broad of a brush, uh, but 
the high school that we went to, Catholic high school here in Michigan, uh, the only thing bigger than Jesus was football. And the football team was given privilege and esteem over all and everything. And that was not something that was missed by the young men who made up the team. Uh, They carried themselves with a great deal of arrogance. And not all were jerks, but many were. And uh, so when I see these claims that Brett Kavanaugh has made about the comments in his yearbook about the uh, football team and their uh, alumni status designation for a, a woman whose name starts with an R, uh, his assertion that, oh, well, that was just a friendly thing. It was meant to honor her, to include her as part of the friend. Anybody who knows anybody who was on a high school football team knows that that is BS. There is no way that that's the spirit in which those comments were uh, intended. And as Senator Blumenthal noted, uh, using the Latin expression, uh, lies in small things, lies in all things, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Uh, Kavanaugh's attempts to soften the misogynistic language of the yearbook references is really kind of startling because it's it's an opportunity for him to move past these accusations by saying, look, I was a teenager. I, I did drink uh, too much sometimes. I was kind of a jerk. I regret those things I did. I uh, apologize to those who may have been hurt or offended. Uh, I have learned and grown uh, and moved on, and I'm no longer that way. Uh, I beg uh, people to uh, forgive me and to understand. Uh, That would have been the wise course uh, to pursue, the honest and open course. Uh, People don't mind failures and transgressions as long as there's acknowledgement that, oh, I screwed up. Uh, That was my mistake. I regret it, and I apologize for it. If he had done that, we wouldn't be talking about him in this context today. He may have already been confirmed, but instead he chose to deny aggressively across the board all aspects of these accusations without taking the opportunity to honestly appraise the context within which they are currently unfolding. Now, plenty of us did stupid things in high school, but hardly any of us are asking to be elevated to the highest court in the land. And that's the distinction here. Uh, This ongoing FBI investigation is not a criminal investigation. It is a background check for a job interview. So a lot of the uh, high dudgeon that Republicans found themselves frothing at the mouth over on Friday is really quite remarkable uh, because all people are asking for is we should know more about these accusations if indeed this guy is going to be elevated to the Supreme Court. Of course, the Republicans, uh, in their attempt to... uh, have at least some awareness of how this is seen as a spectacle, uh, hired the female interlocutor, uh, a prosecuting attorney uh, from Phoenix, to be a stand-in as Dr. Blasey Ford was questioned, but it became clear that she was merely a prop uh, and indeed has been described by some as uh, merely a female assistant, I would even say a mask or a beard 
let's call it what it is, uh, they didn't want to uh, recreate the scenario whereby in the Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill days, a bunch of old white Republicans uh, asked embarrassing questions of a woman who'd been traumatized by boorish, bad behavior from a, a powerful man. So, oh, we'll have this woman come in and she'll ask questions. Of course, she was not able to ask uh, a lot of really good questions because so much of the information was unavailable to her. Uh, Mike Judge or Mark Judge uh, had not been queried as of yet. I think he has been by now. Um, and as soon as Blasey Ford was done and Brett Kavanaugh came out, Judge Kavanaugh, I can call him in that context, uh, she began the questioning. But when Kavanaugh went off in this bizarre, seething, snarling, surly, intemperate, volatile, recklessly accusatory uh, monologue, uh, Lindsey Graham uh, clearly recognized that the train had gone off the tracks and asserted his right from uh, committee chairman, good news, everyone, Charles Grassley, uh, to take his time back. And so the uh, female interlocutor uh, just sat there, useless now, uh, for the remainder of the proceedings. Uh, Lindsey Graham, for his part, uh, behaved something like a feral pig. Uh, if you watch his, his snarling defense that, you know, this good man has been destroyed by this highly partisan product uh, process. But... Uh, You'd think that a guy who maintains innocence would certainly be open and welcome to an investigation that would clear his name. Uh, but when Senator Durbin asked him openly, don't you think that's the best thing to do? He couldn't answer. He wouldn't answer. He didn't answer. Um, the most bizarre exchange in the entire proceedings was when Senator Klobuchar of Minnesota prefaced her comments to her questions to Brett Kavanaugh by saying, oh, my father is an alcoholic. He finally uh, got into recovery. It affected my childhood and my you know, family, my siblings. Um, and then asked him a question. Did you ever drink to the point where you blacked out? And he bizarrely responded to her. Have you have you done that, Senator? Uh this is not the behavior of a man with the right temperament to be a judge. Now, there's the old expression, sober as a judge. Uh, as long as it's not as sober as Mark Judge, uh, that comment still has some relevance. But uh, Brett Kavanaugh did not behave in a measured judicial uh, way in that proceedings. And bizarrely, some on the right saw his angry assertions of innocence and his Bizarre accusations that this is revenge from the Clintons as, oh, he's back on track. Meanwhile, out in reality, women across the country were horrified and offended. And I have a good friend who's still a teacher in a local high school. And I asked her, how are the students responding to uh, this unfolding drama, particularly young women? And she told me that they are furious and incensed and... That's an interesting thing, because I think this whole bizarre Kavanaugh proceeding is going to build a lot of momentum towards the midterm elections. Elections matter. Supreme Court appointments matter. 
And so this is maybe not a bad thing to have the young women of America 